0: Somebody needs a word today from the Lord, and God gave me that word for you, so get ready, get ready, get ready. We're going to be looking at steps to tenacity, how to build tenacity, how to walk with tenacity, how to do ministry with tenacity, how to do life with tenacity, and we're going to see the importance of tenacity and perseverance through the Word of God. So in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, here's what the Word of God tells us. That therefore, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, we need to lay aside every weight. I want you to stop right there, and I want you to lay aside every weight. There's something concerning you right now. There's something weighing you down right now. There's something the enemy wants to use to keep you from hearing the word of God right now. You need to lay it aside. I can't lay it aside for you. You've got to lay it aside for yourself. Is there something troubling you? Is there a goal that wasn't met this week? Is there a challenge that you haven't pressed through to victory yet? Is there something weighing you down? Lay it aside. It's what the Word of God says. Lay it aside. Every weight and every sin which so easily ensnares you. Boy, the devil has fine-tuned. He has studied you. He knows your weak spot. He knows how to poke you and get you all pouty, get you all mad, get you all angry, get you all defeated, get you all given up, get you, you know, with an attitude towards God and an attitude towards your fellow man, the devil knows your button. Oh, yeah, somebody, who is that? Somebody knows what I'm talking about. The devil knows your button, and he'll use people and their weakness the people closest to you, he'll use their weakness to poke your, poke your button. He'll, he'll use circumstances, poke your button. He is trying everything he can to get you to show out against God with an attitude, with words, and with decisions that will not be pleasing to the Lord. Now, guess what? The devil doesn't own you. And he has no strings attached to you. Here, the Bible says he's trying to ensnare you. With these, but you have the choice that you can lay them aside. You can put them aside and say, Devil, I'm not falling for it. Somebody needs to say that right now. I'm not falling for my pout mood. I'm not falling for my rebellious attitude coming up because things didn't go my way. I'm not falling for it. Devil, you're not pulling, you're not yanking my chain. No, sir. I'm putting it aside. So he said, Lay these things aside, and then he says, Do this. Let us run. Not walk, not coast, but run. And He tells us how to run. With endurance. With endurance, this race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. In other words, we're not in this by ourselves. Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. If you've got faith, you'll run with faith, you'll operate with faith, He'll come alongside in the beginning, and He'll go with you all the way to the end to finish it up. He's already defeated the enemy. He's already taken care of everything that needed to be taken care of on the cross. And now He's seated at the right hand of the Father. And let me tell you what, He is pulling for you. Hallelujah. But we're to run with endurance. Now that Greek word is made up of two Greek words for endurance or tenacity or perseverance. And it is hupamino. And the hoopa means to come under. It's your position. You come under the call of God. You come under the plan of God. You come under the purpose of God, and you stick with it. God's got me here for a reason. I'm going to stick with it. That's your position, hoopo. But mino means uh, with expectancy. So it's about your attitude. So the Lord don't want you just run in this race. To complete it and 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 to bring glory and honor to Him and live your life in the victory and all that, He doesn't want you to just cross the finish line. He wants you to do it with the right attitude. So He puts these two words together in the original language so that He can communicate to us: I want you to stick with it, but I want you to stick with it with the right attitude. Somebody may need to check your attitude right now. It may not be in alignment with the Word of God and the expectancy that God has, and you need to discipline yourself. Just like a parent. I remember Townsend. Where's Townsend at here? Okay. Townsend was uh, a little kid, and we were in the grocery store. and, uh, And just one time. I know some kids do it more, but he just did it one time. And I don't know if it was Skittles or what it was he wanted, but we said no. And he throws a fit. He pitches a little fit. <clears throat> we could have let that go. We could have said, here's your Skittles. We'll, we'll feed sugar to that fit. So you can throw this fit anytime you want something that we say no, we'll change our mind. Or we can exercise a little discipline here in love. And uh, we chose that route and never had that problem again. Well, guess what? As we deal with the immaturity of a toddler, All of us got some immaturity in us. Look at somebody and say, he's talking about you. (laughs) He's talking about you. You got some immaturity in you. You do. We all do. Amen? And we have to discipline ourselves in that we cannot let the wrong attitude come up. It's going to try. It's going to try to throw its little fit, and it doesn't impress anybody around you. There's nothing sadder than to see a 20, 30, 40, or 50-year-old acting like a three-year-old. That is nothing handsome. There's nothing pretty. There's nothing enduring about, endearing about that at all, right? You may feel justified in having that attitude, but let me tell you, everybody around you is saying, jerk, <laughs> spoiled brat. I don't want to hang with them. <laughs> I'm embarrassed for them. Uh, so, so you got to check your attitude, How many of you are into baseball? And maybe not playing baseball, but you know something about baseball. Well, there was one gentleman who had maybe his shortest major league baseball career on the records, okay? And he played for the Brooklyn Dodgers. His name was Harry Hartman. He was a very gifted ball player. And... uh, And his day of glory came in 1918. Anybody here in 1918? Okay, so y'all probably weren't witnessing this, but uh, they were playing against the Pittsburgh Pirates at that time, and uh, he dreamed about this day, and here it came. So here he gets under the start of his great career in the major leagues, and and, uh, he pitches the first pitch that he throws. It gets hit for a single, and uh, he didn't like that. So he, he gets all wound up again, and he pitches, and the next batter tripled, tripled. Now this rattled him. So then he messes up, and he walks the hit for a single, uh, walks the next one, then there's a hit for a single, then the next batter tripled, and he's rat- rattled again, and next uh, uh, four straight pitches comes, uh, it's, it shows that he... Uh, is walking them, and then he hits another single, and, and by that time he pitches and they hit for another single. He, he throws his hat down, and he throws his glove down, and he walks off of the, off of the ball field. I mean, he, in the middle of the game, he just walks off of the mound, walks off of the ball field, goes to the shower rooms, gets dressed, leaves the stadium and goes and finds a naval recruiting office where he enlisted, and the next day he's in military uniform, never to be heard for, from in professional baseball again. That was it. He just threw, it, threw in the towel and gave up. I don't know if maybe you can identify with Harry Hartman or not, there's probably been times in your life, as it has been in mine, where I have been tempted to give up. I remember when we came here to start this church in 1992, there was an empty, boarded-up chapel the, near the highway there, and there were chains on the door, and we had bolt cutters because we didn't have a key, and we were trying to cut the, a, a lock off, and when it snapped, I heard the Spirit of the Lord say, don't lock these doors again. And I, I took it, it shook me so that I said, wow, so I didn't even lock the doors for 12 years. The church was open 24 hours a day. I didn't even lock the doors. But as the challenges came, I knew what the Lord was saying. He was saying that I've got a work to do here. I have a plan for this property. I have a plan for ministry here. The enemy has been coming against it year after year after year. And he says, and I don't want you to give up. I don't want you to lock these doors again. And that, that word kept me going because there were many times. I remember there was one time I got a call and there was a church in another big city. And they said, you know, we'll, we need a senior pastor. And we've seen what you do here and we'd like for you to come. We've got a dealership own, uh, owner of a dealership, and our congregation gives you a new car every year to drive. Uh, and so every year it comes, we've got this clothing store. They'll give you a tailor-made suit. They were doing everything. We had this beautiful parsonage, and it was four-bedroom parsonage uh, that sits there in a nice neighborhood that you can live there, and it was everything. And boy, it was so enticing and so encouraging. It was like, wow, that's, that, if I'm going to get married one day and have a family, that's, what, that's where I need to be. But the Lord just kept bringing me back. I don't want you to lock the doors here. I've called you here. I've called you here. And I said, Lord, I'm going, to stick with, I'm going to stick with you. I'm not going to go after what looks good. I'm going to go with who I know is good. Amen. So I'm going to stick with you, Lord. But let me tell you what. The temptation was there. The temptation was there. I, I wanted to give up on this place because it was pretty tough going in the beginning. And I'm sure that maybe you too are at the same place. Maybe it's an entry level job that you took, and it looked promising, and and it looked like you were going to really advance, and you're going to really be able to pay your bills off, and you're going to have enough saved up, and you're going to be able to move to the next level of financial security that you wanted. But the job just—it it was tough, or uh, the boss or the coworkers didn't understand you, or something like that, and and you just quit, and you just turned your back and left there. Yeah, let me tell you what. Uh, Now you're stuck in a job that's unsatisfying and it's not... Uh, meeting your potential advancements, let me tell you what, let's just get all that under the blood. Anytime we've failed and given up, let's get that under the blood of Jesus and ask God's forgiveness and let us start a new day today. As we start a new day and a new week, let's start it right now in Christ. Let's let all the past wrongs, the past mistakes, the past bad decisions, the past God said this and, 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 and you missed God. It really wasn't what God was saying. Maybe you missed God. Let's just put all that under the blood and say it is time for a brand new start the blood of Jesus will take that red crimson and make it white as snow make it pure as wool it can give us a fresh start some of us need a fresh start today some of us stop need start need stop needing to stop needing to live uh, uh, answering the ghosts of the past when we can put the ghosts of the past to rest right now in Jesus just repent say God I want to go forward with you I want if I miss it Lord I want to put my my misstep under the the blood and I want to get in step with where you want me to go into this week and the rest of my life anybody ready to make that switch right now let's do it right now in Jesus name father we just ask you to forgive us Lord forgive me Lord God just ask him right now God forgive me I spoke for you when I shouldn't Lord God I let my excitement get ahead of your word Lord God I quit when I should have stuck with it Lord I gave up on that relationship when I should have worked through it Lord God I I let go of that uh, which I should have hold on to. Lord, I ask you to forgive me now, Lord. Give me a fresh start now, Lord God. Lord, I know I can't go and undo and unravel and put back together the past, but I can give you the past and you can redeem it. Lord God, you can sanctify it. And Lord God, you can give me a fresh start. Lord, I want to be like the prodigal son who came home and got the robe and got the ring and got the sandals and had a fresh day ahead of him in the father's house. Lord, I want to go about your business. I want to go about doing things you've called me to do. I want to go about declaring what you are saying and Lord so from this moment on I give the past to you I ask for your forgiveness I turn now to follow you as the Lord of my life just tell him Lord Jesus I give you the lordship of my life I surrender to you tell him that right now Jesus I surrender to you have your will have your way in my life I give my life to you as I move into this week in Jesus name come on say amen Don't you feel better? Come on, give God some praise in His house that God can turn a bad situation around in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, let me tell you, the easiest thing for us to do is to give up. The easiest thing for us to do is to quit. The easiest thing for us to do is to look at what others are doing and begin to complain and find fault because maybe our life is not measuring up where their life is. What you need to do is you need to get focused on what God has called you to do, what God has gifted you to do, what God has talented you to do, and let us move forward in our purpose that God has us on purpose here to do. <coughs> Amen? Amen. Amen. Uh, God it loves the church. He loves us let me tell you he loves the church some people say well I don't need the church well I don't know if you've read your Bible lately but the Bible said Jesus isn't coming back for you I hate to tell you that he's not coming back for you the Bible says he's coming back for his church amen so we want to be a part of his church because some of us are a finger, some of us are a knuckle, some of us are a knee, some of us are a foot, some of us are an eye because we all make up the body of Christ. So it's never about the idolatry of who we are. We're not the God. He's God. And he decided his church was going to be made up of billions and billions from every tribe and every nation and every culture and every color bringing it together into his body. Amen. And he's the head of his body. So he gives instructions to us, the church, to help us out. And there's one incidence in uh, Revelation chapter 2 and 3 where God says, wait a minute, before I wrap things up, I need to get some instructions back to my church. So he brings John, he he takes John, you might say raptures him to heaven, and takes John and he shows him some things in heaven, and then he says, I want you to take dictation, John, of seven letters, and I want these letters to go to seven churches. Now these were seven actual local churches because the local church is very important to God. But these also represented church age, and they represent things that go on in the church, maybe even in our life. So these these are instructions to us. And here's the seven letters, and the first one he wrote was to the church at Ephesus, which was called the Loveless Church. Uh, Revelation 2, 1 through 7, it says they had left their first love. He says, now if you read the book of Ephesians, which is the letter Paul wrote to the church of Ephesus, he commends them for their love. He said, I commend you for your love that you show one for another. I commend you for your love that you show for me. I commend you for your love that you show towards God. I commend you for your love that you show for the evangelistic field of reaching out and taking this glorious gospel. You are amazing. I I give you praise with commendation of your great love. But guess what? You can start out right, and if you're not getting words of correction, you can get off course and not even realize it. So here, John is writing a letter, dictating, taking dictation from Jesus, and Jesus says, write a letter to the church of Ephesus and tell them they left their first love. And he, if he didn't care about the church, he wouldn't have told them that. He would have said, let them, they're off track, they're going to ruin, they're going to damnation, let them go. But he loves us, he'll bring correction to us so that we can right the wrong. Amen. There was a second letter he wrote to the church of Smyrna, and that was a persecuted church where the enemy was really trying to come against them and bring so much destruction that fear got in there. And God is uh, the letter is coming, and Jesus is saying, don't you let fear rule and reign. I'll give you the victory if you'll stand the test of time. If you'll stand strong under persecution and press on, I'll bring you through to victory. Then he writes the letter to the third church, and the third church was Pergamos, and this was a church that was a compromising church. He says, you're starting to let things of the world creep into the church. You're starting to let it come into the church and you're not saying anything. You're starting to let the, the, the they who say nay to God rather than yea to God uh, have, have a, a little voice. You're not rebuking that. You're, you're just allowing it. And, and it's an undertone of things that are not right that are just being overlooked and no, no correction is being brought. So he tells them you're a com- compromising church. And then the next one he writes to the church of Thyatira, and that letter he calls them a corrupt church. He said, what was happening in Pergamos where they weren't saying anything, now it's being preached from the pulpit and lived out in the congregation the adultery and the sinful lives and the idolatry and all of the things that violate me. He's like, what what you were allowing to just happen and not say anything about, now you're promoting it. So you went from being a compromised church to a corrupt church. And Jesus is rebuking them. And then he writes the letter to the church of Sardis and he calls them a dead church. Oh, you! It's basically you can see the progression here. Now you're a dead church. You allowed compromise and then corruption began to be promoted. Now there's no spirit. The spirit of God is not there. My life is not there. You're just going through the motions and there's no life-changing power anymore. You're a dead church. And and he, and he sends that letter to them. And then he writes the church to the sixth letter to the church of Philadelphia. And he calls them the faithful church. And we're going to come back to them in greater detail for the remainder of this message. Uh, but then he writes the seventh letter to the Laodicean church and he tells them they are lukewarm. You remember that scripture that says you, you would rather you be hot or cold? goes, if you're lukewarm, Jesus says, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. You make the body of Christ sick when you won't stand for righteousness. You, won't, you don't want to stand against unrighteousness, but you don't want to stand for righteousness. You just want, kind of want to stand in the middle and just be lukewarm. You're either in the light or you're in the darkness. You're either going with truth or you're standing against truth. You know what I'm saying? And he says, you're lukewarm. And, and, and this is all instructions from Jesus to try and get them back on track so they can live the blessed life that he has. But look at this sixth letter that went to the Church of Philadelphia, and let us look at some of the contents of that letter. Here, verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 7 of the book of Revelation, and it's always the book of Revelation, no plural. It's not Revelations because some people uh, like to say it's the Revelations because it has a lot of Revelations in that book. But if you'll open it up, it says, this is the book of the Revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, we don't, so we're not getting caught up in all the Revelations. It's the book about the Revelation of Jesus Christ. Amen. So we want to, as God made that to focus, we want to keep that to focus and call it the book of Revelation. So in that, chapter 3, verse 7, and the angel of the church in Philadelphia write... These things says he who is holy, he who is true, he who has the key of David, he who opens and no one shuts and shuts and no one opens. I know your work. See, I've set before you an open door and no one can shut it. You have a little strength, for you have a little strength, but have kept my word and have not denied my name. Indeed, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews and are not but they lie. Indeed, I will make them come and worship before your feet and to know that I have loved you. Look at verse 10. Because you have kept my command. Say command. So this is a commandment, New Testament commandment for us. He says, you have kept my command to persevere. So we have a command from Jesus as the church to persevere. And when we persevere, there's reward to that. What is it? He says, you have kept my command to persevere. Now I will keep you from the hour of trial, which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. He said, there's tribulation coming. And the tribulation is going to be over this whole world. He said, but you're going to be spared. You're going to be spared. I'm going to rapture you up and out of this thing, and you are not going to have to undergo and, and endure that, t- that testing and that persecution that's coming on the whole world. Why? Because you kept my command to persevere, because you were a church with tenacity. Because you would endure. You laid away, you laid aside the weight that was holding you back. You laid aside the sin that was trying to trip you up, and you endured. You persevered. You had tenacity. You had the hoop amino. You stayed under the call of God with the right attitude, is the word there. Because you persevered, because you stayed with it with the right attitude. That's why I'm always preaching on our attitude. We can go through the motions and look holy. We can go through the motions and look like what we're doing God God's will for our life we can go through the motions and look like a Christian but be a hypocrite do you know what I'm saying because behind the mask, we could be a spoiled pout pouting brat that just puts on a good front just to get through the to the the, uh, with the people of God God says I'm looking at your attitude I'm checking your heart I'm checking I'm checking what's behind the mask. if you're looking good on the front you're running the race on the front I'm seeing if you're running the race with a good attitude come on we got to check our attitude and persevere that means cheerful endurance it means enduring with hope it means keeping a tight grip determination and persistence with the right attitude oh I encourage you your pastor let me tell you what I study I fast I pray and I check myself I beat myself not literally but I beat myself to stay on the right track, that I could be a good example to you, that I could be an encourager to you, that I could, you can see me Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, and it's not my strength. I learned long time ago I, I'm a failure. I learned a long time ago I am weak. But I've also learned a long time ago that when I am weak, He is strong. Hallelujah. And I've learned that I'm go- not going to turn loose God. It may not be working out the way I thought it was going to work out, but I'm not going to turn on God. I'm not going to turn on His Word. I'm not gonna going to turn on His promises. I'm not going to turn on His blessings. I don't know the whole story, but He does. And I'm going to hold to the story that He's revealed to me, and I'm going to hold on to it with a good attitude. I get up in the morning, uh, and things may want to go uh, south, but I say, oh no, we're going north. We're not going to give the devil a hole. We're not going to give the devil any, any place in this day, for this is the day the Lord has made, and we will rejoice. We're going to get the right attitude right now. I get it coming out with bedhead and boogers in my eyes and and breath that would melt a wax I'm telling you but even while all that's going on I said I'm not gonna get a bad attitude I'm not one of those well I get a cup of coffee I'll get a good attitude well when I get a shower I'll get a good attitude well I'll act a little better when I've been awake for an hour or two no 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 you think I'm gonna give the devil an hour or two you think I'm gonna give the devil between me and drinking some coffee making that coffee my god no making that whatever my no I get up and say okay bad head okay okay, you may not smell the best, but you're going to praise the Lord today. You're going to worship the Lord today. You're going to honor the Lord today. You're going to show your wife a good attitude. You're going to show your children a good attitude. You're going to show your employees a good attitude. You're going to show your friends a good attitude. You're going to show strangers in the marketplace a good attitude. You're going to show folks on the freeway a good attitude. And that sometimes is the hardest one if you know what I'm talking about. So I want to give you this. God says, I will reward you. Church, I'm going to reward you. I'm going to keep you out of the tribulation that is coming. If you have this hypo amino, this, this this tenacity with a good attitude. So I want to give you some points here on how to build up that tenacity. And the first point I want to give to you, just moving right into it, is uh, that you will go to the limits of your endurance. That you'll go to the limits of your endurance. See, tenacity will energize you to press on even when you don't feel like you have any reserves left. Let me tell you what, you've got to learn that God will give you strength, that He's the author and the finisher of your faith. If you'll keep the right attitude, He'll keep the fuel coming. It's what I've learned. If you'll set yourself to do what's right, He provides it. What did He say? Seek first my kingdom and my righteousness, and I'll add everything else. So, what we got to do is we got to seek first His right kingdom and His righteousness. Putting ourselves in the right attitude, the right mindset, in the right row. Let me tell you, He provides the rest. He provides the jet fuel if we'll get the plane uh, aimed out on the runway for takeoff. He'll provide the jet fuel. Hallelujah. So so we got to learn that, yes, in this life, there's pressure. In this life, there's things that take longer than our flesh wants. How many of you know what I'm talking about? But think about a diamond. Think about a diamond. No, not this diamond here, but think about a diamond. You know, it's only a lump of coal that responded positively to time and pressure. You take something that no value... I mean, what value is a clump of coal but a diamond responding positively to time and pressure turns into this, in, this valuable, hardest stone on planet Earth. And let me tell you what, it all happens because it responds properly to time and pressure. You've got to learn how to respond properly to time and pressure. I'm telling you what, we don't want to ever put God in a box because God knows when we're ready. God knows when we're ready you go and cut the caterpillar out of the cocoon to try and help that butterfly get out quicker and it will die you got to let things run their course I know we want it now I know I said I wasn't going to say this but mom I love you I love you and I just know you're going to forgive me for sharing this story but I told it in the first service and I said I wasn't going to say it in here because my mom watches and it's about one of her but it it in doing that, it reminds me of me a lot, even more so. I remember in our little town of Andrews, South Carolina, little two red lights town, we got a Hardee's. Now, that was a big thing. I know you laugh, but that was a big thing. We got a Hardee's, and um, they had a drive through We didn't have drive through so this was... We had the curbside, kind of like a Shoney's thing, where you go to, uh, to the, there, and they would bring stuff out to you. But we didn't have a drive through in a new restaurant like this hardy, so this was a big thing to us. And uh, people would line up through the drive through kind of like you see at Chick-fil-A now, And uh, because, boy, us farmers, we're just like, "Woo! we get to drive up, and we get to talk to this machine, and then they give us our food, and we don't even have to get out of the car. How cool is this? So um, the cars were lined up. My mom said, do y'all, you know, all three kids were in there. And she said, do y'all want to go to Hardee's? And let's try it out. And we're like, yeah, yes. So I'm in the back seat. My brother's in the back seat. My sister's in the front seat. My mom's driving. She's got this little Dodge something, a little K car, or K5 car, or whatever those little things were. And we get in line, and the line was long. And we finally get to this machine that says, blah, blah, blah. and my mom says, uh, what? She said, Well, I don't know what you're saying, but this is what I want. So she tells them what we want. They go, Yeah, 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 She said, I can't understand you. I don't know what you're saying. Now, none of you can identify with this at all. But she they said, um, yeah, 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 yeah. she said, well, this is what I want, and you better have it ready when I get to the window. And she just she just rolled her window up. She wasn't gonna talk to me anymore. Yeah, 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 yeah. She couldn't understand it. So um, there was several a couple of cars in front of us before we got to the window, and undoubtedly the person at the window had ordered 75 milkshakes for all of the farmhands or something. Other, It was taking an eternity. And my mom lost it. Now, my mom's a kindergarten teacher, had her own kindergarten school, and so work, patience was kind of one of the things she was known for, working with these five-year-olds, four-year-olds, and three-year-olds. She taught music, guitar, and piano to kids, so she was very patient. So this was out of character for her, but she had it. Anybody ever got to the place, you've had it. She had it. I don't know what's going on in her head, but the next thing I know, this little cake car, Dodge, whatever it was, is feel like it's flipping over as she's turned hard right and stomped on the gas. She didn't know there was this huge median there that we were kind of locked in. Well, the front-wheel drive on that thing started scraping metal and dragging and, and spinning and, and climbs up on it, and then it's scraping the bottom because she's kind of teetering on this thing. So she's giving it the gas, and every time it would lean forward and the tires would hit, it would you know, pull us a little bit more, and then we're rocking there. I'm so embarrassed because our little town, everybody knows everybody. And, and before Facebook, we had, we had our own Facebook. Everybody knew... Everybody knew through telephone what everybody had done within minutes after doing it. And uh, so we finally get crawled across this, probably pulled up a couple of shrub bushes and so forth uh, and, and got us on the other side. We never got our burgers and never got our milkshakes. And, uh, and I don't know to this day, my mom ever went back through that drive through ever again. But she had it and she embarrassed all of us. Now, I'm embarrassing my mom only because what she did, we've all done in many different ways, but we've all done it. And maybe some of us have done it quite recently, okay? (laughs) Where we just, we lose our cool. We don't have any patience. We think because there's a little little time involved in it, it can't be good. But I'm here to tell you, the things that take more time usually come out much better. For example, and I have to keep going to this example because I love it. And I don't eat it much, but I love it. Some of you may have grown up and like, and if you do and you bake it or fix it, that's up to you. But there's some people take milk and add it to this cellulose stuff that has a little vanilla flavor into it and throw some vanilla wafers in it, a little Cool Whip on top, and bananas, and they call it banana pudding. But that's not banana pudding. Okay. <laughs> Banana pudding's when you take some flour and you take some milk and you take some sugar and you take some real vanilla bean and scrape and get that thing in there and you stir it and you stir it and you, you got to keep stirring it because it'll scorch if you don't stop stirring it and you stir it and that pudding gets just right. Oh my goodness, it's so good. Then you got it layered out in this pan of uh, real Nilla wafers, the real ones, you know, not those store brand names that are a little smaller that don't really taste like much. You got to get the real Nilla wafers and you lay layered those out and bananas cut up and, and vanilla wafers and bananas and vanilla wafers and bananas and vanilla wafers. I do a lot of vanilla wafers because I like vanilla wafers. And then you pour that hot homemade uh, uh, pudding on there. And then you take those five to six egg whites. It calls for three, but I usually double because I like fluffy meringue. And you beat those egg whites and you add a little sugar in that. And you put all that fluffy meringue on the top of that thing. And then you put it in the oven for the minutes that you need. And it gets a little brown on the top and warm. Everything's so good together. Now that's a Better than that cellulose milk added uh, vanilla artificial flavored stuff with fake vanilla wafers in it and a little Cool Whip on top. There is no comparison, I can promise you. But it takes more time to do the other. See, sometimes we get so we want it now, God. We want it now, God. And God said, if I gave it to you now, it'd be artificial. It'd be, it'd be just a little flimsy house or a little flimsy car, a little flimsy career, a little flimsy thing. That He said, I've got so much better for you. If you'll just trust me and stick with me. He said, I've got better for you. So go the limits of your endurance. Go and do not uh, let time and pressure cause you to throw in the towel and quit. The next one is refuse to, put down, refuse to be put down by negative thinkers and naysayers. You're going to always, always, always have naysayers if you're, if you're fulfilling the call of God on your life. Amen? If you're doing what's right, the devil's going to make sure there's someone that's negative, that there's someone that's going to speak against it. You've got to learn to be like a postage stamp. You've got to stick to one thing till you get there. Come on now you got to say no to the naysayers. You say, I'm going to stick with this until I get to my destination. Somebody needs that anointing for sticktivity right now, or stickability, or I'm going to make up some words here. Uh, Stick to it until you get to your destination. You know, it was Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. who attended Morehouse College in Atlanta, Georgia, and one of the lowest grades he received in his education was in his course on public speaking which just amazes me. His professor wrote a note on one of his speeches and said, Martin, if you continue to use such lofty words and flamboyant language, you will never be effective in public speaking. I wonder if that professor was watching on August the 28th, 1963 when Dr. King's voice echoed for 17 minutes across the National Mall in his I Have a Dream speech. I know he heard it. I guarantee that professor heard it and he should repent for ever having written that on his test. Let me tell you. So what I'm saying is if God's giving you a dream, don't give up. If God's giving you purpose and a plan, don't give up. The enemy's dumping on it. I understand. The naysayers are trying to say it'll never happen. They're trying to discourage you. I understand. You may be going through a dry season. I understand. But let me tell you what. This time that you're going through is not against you. God will turn it and work it for you if you have endurance, which means you stick with it with the right attitude. just stick with it but stick with it with the right attitude. How many of you here say I needed to hear this this morning? I needed an attitude check. Okay, there's a few of you that are honest. The rest of you you're going to hell. No, you're not. No, you're not. I'm joking. I'm joking. But you got to refuse. You, you got to ref- I couldn't I couldn't miss that moment. Lord, forgive me. Lord. but you got to refuse to be put down by negative thinkers and naysayers the next thing you got to do is you got to defeat what I call defeatism defeatism now defeatism is this cancerous attitude that causes people to think that they are whipped even before they've even begun their fight they just feel defeated before they say why even try why even try let me tell you what that's a spirit from hell That's a spirit from hell. God has made you like a pine tree. Did you know that? He has made you like a pine tree. See, trees are smarter than a lot of people are. Did you know the pine tree thrives in soil that is acidic? But did you know this? There's not much soil out there that is acidic. But the pine tree says, I don't care whether you're acidic or not, because if I get an opportunity, if I get a moment's chance, you plant me there, I'm going to drop my needles... And guess what my needles, when they decompose, do? They add acidity to the soil. So I change the environment so I can thrive. So when you see acres and miles and acres and miles of pine trees, they're out there proving to you that if you just get the opportunity with the right attitude, that you may not start out in the right environment, but you're going to change your environment and you're going to make it uh, suitable for you to fulfill what God has called you to do. Kind of like I say many times, don't be a thermometer, be a thermostat. If you're a thermometer, you're over here saying, well, the inside is 73 degrees. I'm just, I'm just telling you what the inside temperature is. It's 73 degrees. I can't do anything about it. If it goes up to 83, I'll tell you it's 83. If it gets to a very uncomfortable 90, I'll tell you it's 90. If it gets a very uncomfortable 30, I'll tell you it's 30. But that's all I can do is just tell you what, I'll just report what's going on. But that's a thermometer. But let me tell you what, on this other side, there's a thermostat. Now this thermostat says, I've got power back in me. And that power that's back in me, whatever I say it's going to be, that's what it's going to be. It may take a little time if I'm a long ways off, if it's 32 and I want to bring it up to 73, it may take me a little time to get it from 32 to 73, but I'm going to stick with it and I'm going to keep the power flowing and it's going to go to 39, it's going to go to 45, it's going to go to 55, it's going to go to 70, it's going to go to 73 or 72, whatever I set it to, because I am a thermostat. That's what you've got to do. That's endurance. That's hypomino. I'm coming under. I've got the power of God back in me, so i got the right attitude. I'm going to stick with it, and I'm going to change the environment that I'm in. Hallelujah. So I encourage you with that today. And then the fourth thing, don't be surprised or thrown off balance by challenges. Why do we go, wow, I said it, and it didn't just happen. I said it, and this came against it. And there was this hurdle. And there was this mountain. And there's a Grand Canyon between me and what God has said. Well, a prophet sees from mountain peak to mountain peak, and, and the prophet is, gets us going in the right direction, but we've got to walk it out. And if there's a Grand Canyon between peak to peak, you've got to walk it out. Maybe you've got to use a mule or two to get down and back up the other side. So don't be surprised by the challenges. You should expect challenges. The devil's going to challenge anything that is good and of God. Life is full of surprises. We know that. We've got to do... You know, God's plan was to save the uh, animal species and Noah and his family. Wasn't that God's plan? And he told told Noah, he says, I want you uh, to take every species of animal two by two, male and female. So there was one couple that had to exercise a lot more perseverance than maybe the llama, or maybe the deer, or maybe the antelope, or maybe the cougar, or maybe the giraffe that's got the big long legs. you got to learn to be like uh, the, the snail because by perseverance, the snail reached the ark. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! So things may not be like the gallop of of the antelope that gets you into what God has shown you. You may have to do what the snail did. Just get your honey and the two of you keep moving. Keep moving inch by inch. Hallelujah. It was in the runners' world uh, the story about Beth Ann DeCantis, uh, her attempt to qualify for the 1992 Olympic marathon. I don't know if any of you remember that, but let me share that story with you. She was a female runner, and in order for her to compete in the Olympics, she had to finish 26 mile run, this marathon. Anybody ever run 26 miles at one time? I had two people in the first service. Anybody, 26? You've ridden it, yes, that doesn't count. I'm talking about running. (laughs) Riding's a whole lot easier than running. Okay, I had two people in the first service. Boy, I had to to bow to them. They were That's amazing. But here, she had to compete with 26 miles, 385 yards, and she had to do this in less than two hours and 45 minutes in order to compete in the Olympics. So she started out strong, and she's running, and she gets 23 of the 26 miles behind her. And then she reaches the straightaway and she's got she's at 2 minutes and uh, 2 hours and 43 minutes and she's just got 2 minutes left to qualify. Now you know it's getting really close here. And and 200 yards from the finish line, she stumbles and falls. Can you imagine being her parents in the bleachers? You be like, huh, huh, and you do what everybody did. They begin to say, "Get up! Get up! Get up!" you only got two minutes left. You don't have any time to even think about it. Get up. And, and so she got back up. The clock's ticking. It's two hours and 44 minutes. She's got less than a minute to go. She staggers her feet. She begins to walk. And now she's five yards short of the finish. With ten seconds to go, she fell again. And they're screaming the more, get up, get up, move forward. So she couldn't get up, so she's crawling. And the crowd is cheering her on more than ever. And she crosses the finish line on her hands and knees. And her time, you want to know what it was? What it was? Two hours, 44 minutes, and 57 seconds. She had three seconds to spare. She did it. Now, how was she able to do that? Tenacity. That's endurance. That's hypomino that I was talking about. The key to fulfilling your dream is endurance. Then there's another one that we need to do in building up our tenacity. We need to work harder. Oh, we don't like that one. No, we want to to be Christians and God do everything for us. Well, if God did everything for us, you'd still be in uh, Pampers, and you'd still be in a car seat, and you'd still be uh, somebody fixing your bottle and drinking that soy milk or whatever that nasty stuff is, and um, Timalac or Envamil or whatever. Thank God we got to grow up and take care of ourselves. It takes work to do that. Well, it takes work to go on and fulfill the call that God has called us to do. Faith without works is dead. So many a problem can be solved and many challenges that we have can be met simply by working a little bit harder. Now, some people come to me and, you know, they used to joke and say, you know, pastors, they only work one day a week. And after hitting a few people, they quick, that word got out and people quit coming to me and saying that. No, I've never hit anyone that you know about. They left the church. No, I really didn't. I really didn't, no. But um, I tell you what, what I've learned in life is I'm not going to sit around and whine and complain. If, if the ministry wasn't in a position to take care of me and my family, I roll up my sleeves. I said, I'm going to work. I'm going to work. Lord, you show me what to put my hands to. I'm not, I dig ditches. I can, I can do anything. And, and nothing is beyond me because you just show me what to do. And let me tell you what, the Lord said His blessing was on our hand and whatever we put our hand to do. So sometimes we got to get out of this mindset that God made the promise, so it's His responsibility to make it manifest in our life, and all we get to do is in. Enjoy the ride. You know, we're at Bush Gardens. You don't live at Bush Gardens. You get to visit a day, and then they take your $1,000, and then you got to go and work to recoup all of that that you spent on food and turkey legs and all of that dough with the powdered sugar on it and the $17 drinks and all that stuff you got to you got to pay it back okay so work a little harder be prepared and willing to get to meet life head on by working as as hard as you can not making work your god but but knowing that you're a co-laborer with god it was Arthur Irving Stone uh, who he became very famous for his, uh, his biographies that he would write on these famous people who did great things to make America and the world a better place. And he was interviewed once, and they said, What is it? Is there a, a, any particular thread that seems to go from person to person, a common thing among all these uh, successful people you've interviewed and you've written books about and written articles about? Is there any common things among all of them? And here's what he said. I write about people who sometime in their life, they have a vision or a dream or something that should be accomplished, and they go to work at it. They are beaten over the head. They've been knocked down. They're vilified. And for years, they get nowhere. But every time they're knocked down, they stand up. You can't destroy these people. And at the end of their lives, they've accomplished some modest part of what they set out to do. Now, we look at what they accomplished and say, wow, it changed the world. Wow, that changed technology. Wow, that changed the way we do this or do that. And they never really fulfilled the full vision, but because they had endurance, because they had tenacity, they were able to make this world a better place. So you, if you want to see your dreams become reality, you got to go the distance and, and it takes persistence and tenacity to do that. Then there's this sixth one that helps build tenacity. You've got to read about the tenacity of great men and women in the Bible. See, the Bible is wholly inspired. The Bible is alive. The Bible's author is with you. There, the only author that's with me, other than with the Bible, is my new author, Pastor Radika. She's got a book coming out, Broken, uh, Healing Bro- the Broken Heart. and uh, So I can read that book, and the author is with me. There's another one, Sister Janet. Where's Sister Janet at? Oh, she's not here today. She she wrote her book, and uh, if she was here, see, I, she's not even here. So, see, that makes the point. But there is one book you can read. The author is always with you at all times. Hallelujah! So get into the Word of God and read some stories about the men and the women of God and how they operated with tenacity. With this this hoopamino, this coming under the call with a right attitude. Man, look at the Apostle Paul. Boy, let me just tell you a little of what he said. In 2 Corinthians eleven twenty-three. 23, he says this, I've worked harder. Now, he wasn't wanting to brag, but because people kept making excuses and making excuses, he said, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm not going to hear any excuses if God's called you to it, put your hand to it and took to the plow, and don't look back. He said I've worked harder. I've been put in prison more often. I've been whipped times without number and faced death again and again. Five different times, the Jewish leaders gave me thirty nine lashes, three times I was beaten with rods, once I was stoned, three times I was shipwrecked, once I was spent a whole night and a day adrift at sea. I've traveled on many long journeys. I've faced danger from rivers, I've faced danger from robbers i faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as the Gentiles. I've faced danger in the cities and the desert and, and in the sea. And I have faced danger from men who even claim to be believers, but they were not. I have worked hard and I've worked long, enduring many sleepless nights. I've been hungry and thirsty. I've often gone without food. I've shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. Then besides all this, I've had the daily burden of my concern for all the churches. Who is weak without my feeling that weakness? Who is led astray and do not burn with hate. If I must boast, I would rather boast about the things that show that how weak I am, because God, the Father of our Lord Jesus, who is worthy of eternal praise, knows that I'm not lying. Paul says, I'm not hearing any excuses. You say I'm too weak. He says, God perfects strength in our weakness you just got to keep your eyes on the call on the call, and keep your eyes on the one who called you to it, Jesus Christ, who is the author and the finisher of your faith. He said when you're at your weakest, you've got access to the power of God. You've got access to the, the anointing of the Lord and His Holy Spirit. So Paul encourages me, man, I've not gone through shipwrecks and I've not gone through beatings and I've not gone through hunger and I'm not going through any of these things and probably none of you have either. And he says, so don't, let's not don't come up with excuses. That's what the devil wants us to do. Let us endure. Let us continue doing what God's called us to do with tenacity. And then that final one is stay focused on your purpose. Stay focused on your purpose. Let your purpose for life determine your priorities. And let your priorities determine your plans. Did you get that? Let your purpose for life determine your priorities. And then let your priorities determine your plan." And then follow that pattern and you will realize the potential for which you were created because God will be with you. Galatians 6 and 9, I close with this. And if I have... You're not doing it, yes. If, and I want to close with this. in Galatians 6, 9 and 10. And let us not be weary in well-doing for in due season we might reap. Is that what it says? That's not what it says. Are y'all still with me? Give me me two more minutes. Two more minutes. I'm crawling across the finish line. Two more minutes. Let us not grow weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap. Isn't that what it says? If we do not lose heart, the Bible says, if we do not faint. Look at verse 10. And as we had therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto those who are of the household of faith. See, this is part of my passion. This is part of the calling of God on this house and on the leaders of this house. That's why God brought to us the Shepherd's Guide many, many years ago, right here in this verse. That we were to come alongside Christian businesses and ministries and organizations and encourage them. As we encourage the people in this house, we're going to encourage the business leaders and the the organizational leaders and all that are in our community, we're going to encourage them to keep doing what God's called them to do. And then he says, as you have opportunity, do good to all, but especially those of the household of faith. So we, we publish a, a shepherd's guide in an online directory to, to do that. To say, if you're going to get your car fixed, call this Christian mechanic. This is your brother. He has a Christian family. His wife and their children, they're part of the family that we're going to live with eternity. Don't give it to someone who may cheat you or may lie to you to get extra dollars out. Go to your brother. Go to your sister. And that's what all of that is about to fulfill this very verse here. That we encourage one another. I believe that Pastor Rodica and I was put on planet Earth to encourage you. To encourage you. You say, ah, we would love for you to be a lofty theologian that would dissect and, uh, uh, all of the Greek and the Hebrew in such a, a dimension and give us, a, you know, in such a, a hermeneutical and homiletical uh, viewpoint that we would sit here awed and not knowing what you said. No, that may be someone else's calling, but my calling is to come alongside you with the Word of God and encourage you that you can make it, you can do it. If you'll just stay with God, stay with His call on your life. To use the gift and use the talents that He has given to you and let's work together and let's accomplish what God's called us to do. I close going back to where we started, Revelation 3 and 10. Because you have kept my command to persevere. Jesus said, I gave you a commandment. I'm commanding you to persevere. You're not going to have to go through that hour of trial that the whole world's going to have to go through. He said, you will escape that because you are going to be so close to me. You're going to be like, you're going to be like a, Enoch. You're going to be so close to me that I'm going to just pull you right on up. Because the way you endure, the way you, you're like a clump of, of a clump of coal. Through time and pressure, you become a diamond. And he says, I'm going to wear you on my hand. I'm just going to bring you to me. He says, you're not going to have to go through that trial. Because you've already proven yourself. Will you obey the command of God today? will you obey the command of God today to persevere tenacity endurance hypomino stay under the call the plan of God with the right attitude with the right attitude you say well I don't know how to fix my attitude well I know someone who can help you and we don't have to set an appointment for you to go meet with them You can meet with him right now. His name is Jesus. He's the Christ. And he has his spirit here. The Holy Spirit is here right now. God is here. And God wants to help you if you need help.